I attend Moody Bible Institute, and hopefully next semester I will be uh, in the senior class. I have been worshiping with the church for over a year now, and I'm so happy to be a part of this ministry. When I came to Moody, I had been looking for a home church. I went to some big churches, but God was not leading me there. And so God had led me to this church, and I'm very much happy to be a part of you. Uh, thank Pastor Wayne and the leadership for giving me this time to minister the word of God to you. Back home in Liberia, we have a church and an orphanage. We have a Christian school, and uh, those things are going very well. I value your prayers so much for those uh, little cakes that we keep in the orphanage. They are so precious. Their parents died during our 14 years of civil war. And so as a church, we are trying to cater to those little children. Uh, that is Jesus' command, and we have to go about doing it. I return to Liberia. I should have gone to Liberia tomorrow, but my flight is changed uh, to Thursday morning. So uh, I had nothing to do about that. I had to stay until Thursday morning. I also lost my aunt uh, just uh, two days ago, uh, and I asked you for prayer of comfort. Today we will get right into the scripture. I don't want to, uh, to consume the time. I am an African, and uh, <laughs> Africans preach long sermons. <laughs> but today uh, I am westernized, so I will, <laughs> I will be on time. <laughs> I won't keep you for two hours, as we do back in Africa. Uh, I would like for you to turn with me in the book of 2 Kings chapter 5, and I will read the first verse. 2 Kings chapter 5. Now Naaman, captain of the army of the king of Aram, was a great man with his master and highly respected. Because by him the Lord had given victory to Aram. The man was also a valiant warrior, but he was a leper. The story before us this morning, we had to go back in chapter 2 and chapter 4. In chapter 2, Elisha was a servant to the man of God called Elijah. In chapter 2, the second Kings, Elijah was now to be taken up into heaven. And Elisha followed him to the Jordan River. They walk all the way and they cross the Jordan. Elijah smote the Jordan River and the river divided into two. And those two men walk on dry ground and cross the Jordan. When they were on the other side of the Jordan River, Elijah asked Elisha, What do you want me to do for you today before I am taken up into heaven? And Elisha replied, I want nothing else but the double portion of the Spirit of God working in your life. That's all that I need. 
I wonder if Elijah was to ask me that question, what do you want me to do for you before I go to heaven? I don't know if I would tell him, I only want the double portion of your spirit. Probably you may tell Elijah, I want silver and I want gold. I want a bag of money. I want to be rich. I want to be wealthy. But that was not the response of Elisha. And so Elijah told him, you have, asked, you have asked for a difficult thing, but if you see me as I go up into heaven, it shall come to pass. And so Elijah was taken up into heaven, and his mantle dropped, and Elisha picked it up. Elijah had gone. Elisha remained across the Jordan, and the Jordan was flowing again. And so he walked to the Jordan River with the mantle of Elijah and he asked the question, where is now the God of Elijah? And so he smote the Jordan River with the mantle of Elijah and the Jordan River divided into two and Elisha walked across on dry ground. That was the beginning of Elisha's prophetic ministry. He had been serving Elijah for all these years and Elijah was no longer living on earth. And so Elisha began his ministry. In chapter 3, he performed some miracles. In chapter 4, he performed four important miracles. That was because of the anointing of God upon his life. He met a widow with his little son, and the widow was about to sell this boy because he owed a lot of money. Elisha multiply her oil and the oil never run out. Elisha also met the Shunammite woman and she was not having a child. Elisha prayed, she conceived, bare a child. After some time, the little boy died. Elisha raised him back to life. Elisha also had some men, some prophets, while they were cooking their meal during a farming time, one of them threw something bitter, poisonous, in the food, and they could not eat the food. Elisha made the food edible. At the last two verses in chapter 4, Elisha had a group of prophets with him, a hundred of them, and someone brought 20 loaves of bread to Elisha. Give this bread to these hundred men. Twenty loaves of bread. I can eat five. But there were hundred men. And Elisha told them, Give the hundred men the twenty loaves of bread. They gave those hundred men twenty loaves of bread. They ate twenty loaves of bread and they have left over. Now those were some of the miracles of Elisha. In chapter 5, we have another miracle. This morning, our attention will not be focused on the miracle per se, but will be focused on the person on whom this miracle was performed. And that is the man called Naaman. In chapter 5, verse 1, we have Naaman being described. The name Naaman means delightful, beautiful, gracious, well-formed. He was a man that was well-formed, very handsome man. That's what Nehemiah means. Nehemiah also in chapter uh, 5 verse 1 had a position. 
He was the captain of the Syrian army, the field marshal general of Syria. That was his position. This man also was very much popular, very famous. The Bible says people respect him in the community, in the society. He was well respected. He had a position. He was very much famous. But this handsome man, very famous, popular man, had a problem. The Bible says he had leprosy. When you read that verse, the last part of the verse says, but he was a leper. He had a disease that is incurable. No one in those days could kill leprosy. That was Elisha, or Nehemiah's problem. A handsome man, a respected man, a man with power and dignity, had a respect in a society. Here is a man with leprosy. Does that sound familiar? When God made man, God declared that everything he had made was very good. Adam placed in the garden of Eden, everything was good until sin came into his life. Naaman is handsome, great man, respected, but he had a problem. And the problem was the problem of leprosy. This famous man lived in this condition until one day God began to intervene in his life. Here is a man, the captain of the Syrian army. Yet he had this problem he had been thinking about for so long and there had been no solution to his problem. According to the story, the Syrian's army went to war against Israel and there they captured a little girl. That was the beginning of God's intervention in Naaman's life. They captured the girl and they brought the girl in Naaman's home. While she was there as a Jew living in a house with someone with leprosy, she could not stand it back home in Israel. If you have leprosy, you are isolated from the society, you live in separation, if they bring the food, they leave the food halfway and they run back and the leper will cry out, unclean, unclean. They do not come in contact with anyone because they are not cleansed, they are defiled, they are unclean. That is back in Israel. This girl being a Jew knows the situation back home. There she is in Naaman's home with a man with leprosy. And so she became concerned for her religion and for her own health. Here is the captain of the Syrian army with leprosy in this home. And so she became so concerned. Leprosy is a, is a typified sin. Leprosy had no cure. In those days, there was no cure for leprosy. Leprosy also start from within and come on the surface of the skin. Leprosy cause deformation. It eats your fingers. It eats up your, your toes. And it deforms an individual. Leprosy drive one from the society. 
when you have leprosy in those days, you live at the outside of the city wall. You don't live in the city. You don't live on the village with other people. You live outside of the city. Leprosy. It typifies sin. Sin separates us from God. Sin starts from within the heart. Sin deforms us. Leprosy had another problem. Leprosy caused the person's skin to be numb. You can't feel anything. That is how sin is. Sin numbs our conscience. We go about doing, committing sin over and over, and we have no conscience because of that great leprosy that we have in our life. It numbs our conscience. We are not conscious enough because of sin. When Adam and Eve were placed in the garden, they have good conscience. But when the second visitor came to Eve and told her, did God say you should not eat anything in this garden? She said, no, God did not say so. God said we must eat everything except the tree that stand right in the middle of the garden. We shall not eat nor touch. And then the devil said, the serpent said to Eve, that is not so. God is just playing joke with you. God does not want you to be like him. Taste it and see how good it is. And so Eve ate the fruit, gave it to Adam. He ate the fruit and they became sinners. And so God walked in the garden that day and asked Adam, where are you? Adam had hit himself. And so God had to drive the couple out of the garden of Edom. And God placed a, 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 an angel there with a sword in his hand that when Adam returned, he would be struck dead. Sin separate us from God. It is a disease that had no cure. But God had an intervention. Because of the separation that we have from God because of our sin, God sent Jesus to intervene on our behalf. The story before us, there are three interventions. There are three messages Nehemiah heard, and God healed him. In the second verse, we find that the girl was concerned, and she went to work and told Nehemiah's wife, I have seen my master with a disease, but if my master will go to Samaria, to the prophet of God, he will be cured. That was message number one for Naaman. If my master will go to Samaria, to the prophet of God, he will be healed. I can imagine Naaman coming home from the barrack, being a military man. He came home that evening, his wife prepared food, and they sat at the table. And the woman told Naaman, I have a message for you. The servant girl say, if you will go to Samaria, to the prophet of God, you will be healed. Naaman took the message very serious. Naaman ran to the king of Syria and told him the message. The king also got very serious with that message. And so the king called maybe his secretary, uh, there was no computer. There was no typewriter. And they wrote a letter to the king of Israel. 
Nehemiah went home and packed so many great things, silver and gold and clothing, and got some servants, and they went to Samaria. But in all of this, Nehemiah made four great mistakes when he went to Samaria. First, Nehemiah went to the wrong person. When Nehemiah went to Samaria, he went to the king of Israel, not to the prophet of God. He went to the king of Israel and gave him the letter that the king of Syria had written. When the king of Israel received the letter, according to the scripture, the story says he got very angry. Why was he angry? It tells us that the king of Israel was not living for God. He had no contact with the prophet. He got so angry with the king of Syria, saying that the king of Syria was looking for war. At that time, there was relative peace between the two nations. The king got so furious and so angry, and there stand Neymar. I don't know how would you feel if you went to the doctor. The doctor that knows your case, all your sickness. And then the doctor come and weep over you. How will we feel? You have a disease, you have a sickness. You go to the doctor, he weep over you. Instead of encouraging you, he weep over your situation. That's why Nehemiah faced. When Nehemiah went to the king of Israel, the king got so angry and rent his own clothes. So there Nehemiah stand in the predicament, so discouraged, so frustrated. I have come to Samaria. I have no answer to my problem. It is because Nehemiah went to the wrong person. Whenever we have problems, where do we go? To whom do we take our problem? Peter told the Sanhedrin in Acts chapter 4 verse 12, Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is no other name under heaven given amongst men whereby we must be saved. Our problem can only be resolved by Jesus Christ. The problem we have is the problem of sin. When we go to the wrong person, we will not find redress to our problem. Where did Nehemiah go? To the king of Israel. The reason was, Nehemiah looking at himself as a general. Why should I go to the prophet? Let me go to the king. I have to go to the White House if I want my problem solved. The answer is not there. So he went to the king, and the king weep over his situation. The second mistake Nehemiah made, he went to the wrong place. Go to Samaria, go to the prophet of God. But he went to the palace. The answer is not in the palace. The answer is not in the White House. It is not in the executive mansion in Liberia. The answer is not where you think it is. The answer is with God. He went to the wrong place so he cannot find redress to his problem. And because the king was so angry, Tore his own clothes, the news spread. Can you imagine Osama bin Laden coming to Chicago? The Chicago Tribune, the ABC 7 News, 
all the news agencies in America will report on that issue the very moment Ben Laden arrived in Chicago. That was Neymar. Neymar had been waging war on the Israelites. And when he entered their territory, everyone got concerned. So the news spread. And Elisha, the prophet, heard the news. That the king of Israel had rent his clothes in anger. Because he does not have the answer to Neymar's problem. So Neymar heard a second message. The first message was from the little girl, the, the seventh girl. Go to Samaria was the message. Then he heard a second message. This time from the prophet. The prophet Elisha sent this message to the king of Israel. Why are you so angry? Send Naaman to me. That was the second message that Naaman received. And so they told Naaman. Go to the prophet Elisha. With this second message was also God's second intervention. The first intervention was from the seven gird. The second intervention was from the prophet. Let Naaman come to me. You see, God had begun to work out something in Naaman's life that he does not know. How long do we sit and God intervene in several ways in our life and we don't know what is going on? So Neymar had to take the second leg of his journey from the palace to the cabin. The answer was not in the palace, so he had to go somewhere else to the prophet of God. And we can see Neymar traveling with his bodyguards. He was a military man. He cannot go it alone. He carried his servants. And they went, and Naaman in his chariot reached Elisha's home. And he sat in his chariot back home in Africa. We say, a sick, a sick man walk to the doctor. If you are sick, where do you go? You go to the doctor. But for Naaman, he sat in his chariot. Because of pride. I am the captain of the Syrian army. The field marshal of Syria. He had come to Elisha's home. And he sat in his chariot. Then Naaman heard the third message. First from the girl. The second was from Elisha. The third message also from the prophet of God. The prophet told his servant Gehazi by name. Go and tell Naaman to go and wash himself or bathe himself seven times in the Jordan River. So Gehazi came and gave Naaman the message from the prophet. Naaman got so angry. He got so angry. It's all because Naaman had the wrong prescription. Neymar went to the wrong person. He went to the wrong place. He had a wrong prescription of his situation. What was Neymar's prescription? When you go to the doctor, the doctor prescribes medicine for you and tell you how to take the pills or other drugs. But Neymar has his own prescription of his situation. Neymar is saying, Prophet Elisha should leave from his bedroom, 
come down to him at his chariot, rub his hand upon the affected area of the leprosy, and he will be cleansed. That was Naaman's prescription. But that was not God's prescription. Man's working is different from God's working. The way man thinks is not how God thinks. The way we want it done is not how God wants it done. Nehemiah's prescription was wrong. God's prescription is always right. I'd expect the prophet to come to me. You know, Nehemiah is a great man in Syria. He had been doing great things. And he expects great things to happen to him. If the prophet will come and rub his hand upon the affected area of my body, it would be good. That's what I expect him to do. But that was not the case. And so he intends to turn down the message. You know, Nehemiah wants great things done. But it could not work that way. In Acts chapter 12, Paul, Acts chapter 16, pardon me, Paul and Silas had healed a girl with demons. And her masters were so angry because this girl provided them with a lot of money. So because of this, they arrested Paul and Silas and threw them into prison. The scripture says at midnight, Paul and Silas were sinking, worshiping, glorifying God. And God spoke. He shook the foundation of the prison cell. The chains on their hands and their feet loosened. They were at liberty to run and go anywhere they want to go. But they sat there. Then the jailer, knowing what had happened, got so afraid and confused. And he walked in and saw these two men of God still sitting there when they were free to go. He fell on his need and asked them a question. What must I do to be saved? And I can imagine Paul looking at Silas. And Silas looking at Paul. And the two men of God says, if you want to be saved, go and attend Moody Bible Institute, study Greek and Hebrew, and thou shall be saved. If that was the answer, so many people will get F minus. Few will get D. Go to Moody, study Greek and Hebrew, and thou shall be saved. I won't be there. Because my first year doing Greek was the most terrible thing I have ever done. <laughs> Go and study Greek and Hebrew and thou shalt be saved? No, it was not the answer. The answer was very simple. The message of the cross is very simple. They told the man, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and thou shalt be saved. Simple message. In John 1, 11 to 12, the scripture says, Jesus came to his own people, but his own received him not. But as many as received him to them, gave he power to become the sons of God, even to them that believe on his name. Back home in Africa, 
John 3.16 is considered the national anthem. Everyone know that verse. For God so loved the word that he gave his only begotten son that whosoever believed in him would not perish but will have everlasting life. The message is simple. Believe. You know the man of God Elijah have pronounced drought in Israel. No water. So Jezebel chased him. He ran away. He went and hid himself in a cave on a Mount Sinai. Then God spoke to him, Elijah, what are you doing here? He said, God, I have been so zealous for you. They have killed all the prophets in Israel, and I'm the only one left, and they are seeking my life also. So I ran and I hide myself. So God told him, get up, Elijah. Go and stay on the mountain. And Elijah went and stood on the top of the mountain. And God began to pass by. There was a violent wind, but God was not in the wind. There was an earthquake, but God was not there. There was fire, but God was not in the fire. But then there was this still, small, gentle voice. And God spoke. Naaman expect great things to happen. But that was not the case. Go and wash yourself in the Jordan. You know, when Israel reached Mount Sinai in Exodus 19, God wanted to talk to them, and so they all went with Moses and stood at the foot of the mountain. And when God came down, there was thunder, there was lightning, there was fire, there was smoke, and God began to speak. And the congregation of Israel were so terrified because of all these great things happening. They told Moses, please speak to God on our behalf. This one never want. Great things to happen before he would be killed. But that's not the case. You know, I spent nine years with missionaries from America. Nine years. And they preached theology. Great messages and great speaker. And nine years, nothing happened in my life. Then, there was a simple message. Very simple. And the fact is, the preacher was an unlearned, uneducated person that preached the message of the cross. And the message was so simple, but it touched my heart. I have been playing soccer in Africa. I have been scoring several goals for my club. And the preacher preached, on the thing, scoring goals for Jesus. That was it. Simple message. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ. And you shall be saved. So Nehemiah expect great things. He had a wrong prescription. And he had a wrong attitude. He got so angry. His pride and arrogance was keeping him. He wanted to go back home to Syria. Without receiving his healing. But then God intervened the third time. This time through Nehemiah's own servants. The servants came to Nehemiah. Master, if the prophet had asked you to do something great, you would have done it. But why not go and wash and be clean? 
So Nehemiah sat in his chariot. And he began to think. I believe he was hearing two voices. One from the devil and one from God. Satan said, don't mind that business. Stay right here. And God was saying to him, go in and wash. Then they might obey. He got off from the chariot, went to the Jordan River that he had already despised. It was muddy. He had good rivers back home in, the, in, the, in Damascus. So he went to the Jordan River. He took off his sandals and he walked into the Jordan. He went on the, the first time, the second time, the third time, the fourth time, the fifth time, the sixth time, and nothing happened. How many times we have heard the word of God and nothing happened in our life? But keep going. God is at work. Don't give up. God is working. Do it as God says. So Nehemiah went back the seventh time and the scripture says when he came out of the Jordan River, his skin was not like my skin. It was as soft as a baby. Are you hearing me? It's all because Nehemiah obeyed the message. Nehemiah's deliverance was not in the water of the Jordan, but in his obedience to the message. That's why he was delivered. Having been cleansed from the Jordan, Nehemiah came out of the Jordan with a new skin. That was good, but that was not the most important thing. Nehemiah also came out of the Jordan with a new heart. God had been intervening in his life all these years that he will be made whole physically and spiritually. Nehemiah came out with a new skin, a new heart, a new mind, new perspective, new worldview, new of everything. If any man is in Christ, he is a new creation. All things have passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Nehemiah came out with a new heart. He went to the prophet Elisha. This time, he does not sit in his chariot. He got off and he gave some gift to the man of God. And if you will read the passage, Nehemiah considered himself a servant. To Elisha. Change attitude. Change heart. When you come out of the Jordan, you cannot be the same. This mighty man of war was now a servant to Elisha. And so he offered a gift to Elisha. Elisha refused the gift. Freely I receive, freely I gave. Then he said, Well, if you will not take my gift, then gives me a gift. What was the gift he asked for? The only thing I want, Nehemiah says, is the dirt of Israel. Just dig two shovel loads of dirt and give it to me. I will take the dirt back home in Syria and I'm going to build my altar and worship God. And then Nehemiah declared, Now I know. There is no other God but a God of Israel. That phrase, now I know, can only come out of your mouth when God has intervened in your life. Now I know. In Acts chapter 12, when Peter was put into prison and God delivered him, 
that night the injured and peter walked to the gates the gates open and at the last gate of the iron gate open the injured disappear then peter said now i know god had intervened if you do not have jesus this morning I want you to get on your knee and ask him to come into your life that you will be able to say, now I know. That yesterday's life is not worthy of living. Now I know that God has come into my life and all things have become new. Now I know that heaven's gate is open for me. Now I know I can go and stand before God without shame. Now I know. And Elijah, the soldier, general to the prophet i know there is god in israel give me some of your debt but may god forgive me if i go back home and i serve my king the king worship idols i used to worship idol but as the man on a command i still have to follow my king to worship this idol but this time i'm going with my skin but not my heart my heart is being renewed. I will still go with the king, but my heart will no longer worship that idol. What a confection. What a change in this man's life. And so, Elisha pronounced, go in peace. Here is a man that traveled 120 miles from Damascus to Samaria with a problem. Here is a man that heard messages along the way. Here is a man that was discouraged by the king of Israel. Here is a man that reached Elisha's house and he despised the prophet. Here is a man in whose life God had intervened in serious ways. Here is Elisha, the Nehemiah that had gone into the Jordan. He came out with a new skin, but with a new heart. And here is this man who is now transformed. And he made a declaration that is no other God but the God of Israel. The reason why Nehemiah asked for the dirt was because he believed that the God of Israel was a localized God. A stationary God. God that just sat in the corner like the arrows in Syria. Here is a new believer. He is saved but he does not know his way out. Do you know why discipleship is all important? When someone comes to Christ, he is a new believer, a new baby. He needs to be nourished. For Nehemiah, he knows God, but he thought God only remain in Israel. God is everywhere present. This man does not know. But Elisha said, go in peace. He was to be a light to those in darkness in Damascus. Even to the king. The little girl did not hide her faith. She knows her God and directed Nehemiah to also receive. And Nehemiah got two types of healing, physical and spiritual. The spiritual is so important than the physical. For this body will die and rot, but the soul lays forever. Jesus declared, why would the prophet a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? The soul is what matters to God. But for Nehemiah, he got healed and he got whole. Physically 
and spiritually. So Nehemiah left and got on his way. Then the prophet servant Gehazi followed him and told him, my master says oh, you should give me some of the gift that you, he just refused because he got some guests. So Nehemiah said, take what you want to take. I don't care. I was lost. I'm found. I was sick. I'm healed. I am cleansed. So take anything you want to take. So Gehazi gathered clothes and gold and silver. He went back to Elisha. Elisha said, where are you coming from? He said, well, I'm, I, I'm around here. I don't go nowhere. What a materialist. That's Gehazi. And Gehazi's problem was not only being a materialist, was not only greed, but you know Gehazi had a problem with the Syrian. The enemy had come to know God. The enemy is cleansed. What do we do when our enemies come to Christ and they are saved? Are we happy about it? Or do we get angry? That was Gehazi's problem. Why not take some of the goods from the Syrian? After all, he had been our enemy. Why should he carry everything back? He followed and he came back. Then the prophet of God told Gehazi, because of what you have done, the leprosy from Nehemiah will get on you. In fact, the scripture said, will clench on you, not only you, but your descendants forever. So the Bible says Gehazi turned white with leprosy. What a sad ending of the story. But what I want you to take home today is this great lesson. God will save those who, who he chooses no matter how many wrong turns you may take. God will still bring you to the right place so that you will believe in him. And I ask you this morning, do you know we have a sickness that is common to all? The sickness called sin. It is like leprosy. It had no cure. It can only be cured by the blood of Jesus. If you have been trying to find the cure to that disease from different places, it won't work. The only solution is Jesus' blood. That can wash us whiter than snow. Are you in a predicament? Do you have problem that you think a man can solve? Take it to Jesus. And Jesus will solve the problem for you. The message is simple. Naaman's deliverance was not in the water of the Jordan, but from his obedience to the message. When Jesus healed people, he touched most of them. He healed a man born, born blind, or the man that was blind. He anointed his eyes, go and wash in the river, and the man was able to see. He healed a deaf and dumb man. He put his e hand in the ears of the man, and the man was able to hear. He touched his tongue. But the healing these people received was not because Jesus touched them. The healing is from Jesus' authority. Believe it, and it shall come to pass in your life. May the God of Abraham, the God of Isaac, and the God of Jacob, may the God of our sufficiency grant you grace, my beloved.
We're just going to sing this uh, surrender again, and I think it really ties into what Pastor Wilson shared just with uh, that his name and deliverance came when he surrendered, when he obeyed. Um, so we're just going to sing this one more time. Um, you can stand, sit, um, just get before the Lord. I'm giving you my heart and all that is within. Lay it all down for the sake of you, my King. I'm giving you my joy.